Good morning, everybody. I'm li- <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> Jeez, I'm Larry Jacobs. This is three. My voice is a little squeaky there. Let's start over. Good morning, everybody. My name is Larry Jacobs. This is three K twelve Education Talk Radio. Thanks for listening today, May 9th, two thousand twenty-three. It's a pleasure to have you here. Be speaking to you today, or perhaps you're listening on the archives, and it's the nature of a podcast. You can listen on the archives. We archive everything over at ace-ed.org. That's the home of every podcast we've ever done here on Education Talk Radio. All right, it's over at ace-ed.org. Okay, that's the home website of our American Consortium for Equity in Education. We have our magazine over there, which is called Equity and Access. And I want to remind everybody that everything we do over there is free, so please go over and check it out. Our Equity Awards have reopened for nominations. Please go over. You'll see an awards category a link. Just please click on that. We'd love to have you as educators. You nominate your colleague. You can nominate yourself, nominate your colleagues, nominate your school, nominate the experts in the field, nominate companies you work with, et cetera, et cetera. If you are a company in education, please check out what we're doing. You can be nominated as well. Hopefully all of you will be winning, okay, and equity awards for the folks who do such a solid job in making equity a reality in education. We're very proud of this, and it's over at ace-ed.org. The early bird special is now available for those of you who want to nominate, okay, for uh, – for uh, an equity award, so please go do so. I've got Randy Economo here. Randy is a good friend of ours. She's the president of Capstone Publishing. And Randy, are you there? Uh, good morning, Larry. I'm glad I'm here. I was doing something very important this morning, and I didn't want to be late. So I am here, and I'm happy to be with you. Good well, morning. It's, a pleasure to, it, it's always a pleasure to have you here. Are you on a speakerphone by any chance? I am. Is that not coming through well? It's not coming through as well as it should, and the, and the only reason I'm saying that I can make my sound louder here, but I want to make sure that everybody can hear every single word you're saying. Well, I is appreciate good. that. I need to make every single word count then. Is this better, Larry? I'm not it on is. the phone anymore. Thank good. you, Randy. Good, good. That's Thank good. you I, I can usually know. pick that up pretty quick. I want to tell everybody capstonepub.com or pebblego dot com are places you'll go. You'll understand those in just a few seconds. If you want to learn more about the company that Randy runs with a great team of colleagues and friends and professionals, tell us about Capstone, Randy. And by the way, Randy is one of the excellent female leaders in education. I, I, I always like to say this. There are a lot of women who are at the top level of the education industry. Not enough, but a lot. Okay, Randy's one of the superstars in that particular category. All right, she's a great guest here, and she runs a wonderful company. But the point is, you know, education is a largely female occupation, and it's time, certainly beyond time, that we had great female leadership in the industry, and we do, and Randy's a shining example of that. You may now proceed, Ms. Economo. That's wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much, Larry. Well, to tell you a little bit about Capstone, I really want to start with our purpose, and Really, our purpose and what we focus on every day is to make learning fun for all children, and we really, really believe that learning is for everyone, and we have been a publisher for 30 years, over 30 years, a trusted publisher in education, and we yep. publish print and digital titles, and we also have a, a beloved uh, hub of content 
called Pebble Go that helps children around the nation with some of their very early research skills and helps them fall in love with learning. We're in about 30% of schools with Pebble Go and 100% <laughs> of elementary schools with our yeah. books. And we appreciate the trust that educators have. I thought you were going to ask me what I was doing this morning that was special, Larry, because it was a really special day in our house. Do you want to hear what about is, it? What is, and so, so, Randy, is anything going on special today? Andy, I thought, I thought you would never ask, Larry. So it's Teacher Appreciation Week this <laughs> thank, week. Thank and you my for your patience. And... You're going to say that again, but thank you for your <laughs> patience in that regard. You, you, so what is special today in the Economo household? What is What's going special? On? <laughs> well, I will tell you that teachers are special today and every day, but today is Teacher, or this week is Teacher Appreciation yeah. Week, and my yeah. little daughter, Emma, Loves her teacher so much, and so every day we get a little something ready with a, with a sweet note to send to her teachers to thank them for the impact they've made on her life. And today we gave adult coloring books, maybe you color, Larry, but adult coloring <laughs> books that have amazing infographics with some colored pencils. And Emma was so excited that it took us a long time to wrap them, and I was worried I was going to be late. But I made it. <laughs> you're not late. You're not late. You're you're ready to fire the ball. You're, you're obviously in Arizona today, right? Right. Yes. In yeah. Arizona what time is it? Today. What is it? Seven thirty there. Well, it's seven thirty-five in Arizona. Yeah, but yeah. I've had coffee, and I always get up and ready to talk to Larry. And I really love these times. Yeah, thank you for being thank you for being here and thank you for appreciating teachers. I was saying yesterday on the show it is Teacher Appreciation Week and we we should just designate one week a year, not particularly Teacher uh, Appreciation Week. Uh, appreciation Week and every other week should be te- fifty one weeks should be Teacher Appreciation Week. Okay, you know I agree I, with I, you. I tell you it's it's so amazing and and the other thing and it, it just fits into all this. You know, we're, we're, teachers are thinking of leaving the profession. The pipeline is less and less. We really have to appreciate these incredible professionals all year long for what they do. Okay, and they proved that during the pandemic. And I know things scores dropped a little bit, but can't help that they went above and beyond. You know, during the pandemic to try to get kids to keep learning and keep reading and all that sort of thing. And, you know, you just can't say enough good about teachers these days. I, I, I really mean it. And I hope that carries so that more and more people think about going into the profession, which is something that we really, really need these days. Thank you, Randy, for bringing that up. I do we really do. It. Yeah, we do. It's it's hard out there. We really do. You know, it and actually brings up an interesting point, you know, companies like Capstone, you know, things are changing out there. Okay, we and, and and you guys are well aware of this. Okay, and your products are are reflecting all the the necessary needs, etc. That that a changing occupation needs. It's really good stuff what you guys are doing out there, and uh, I'm always impressed with that. And we're talking today. I want to swing into this, uh, although it's always summer in uh, in Arizona, but uh, not here in Maine. Okay, <laughs> summer's just beginning Rain. here. I get it. <laughs> And we, I want to talk about summer reading. And, you know, this was interesting. Uh, we're going to talk about all the summer reading, but I, I love this. You wanted me to ask you, and I, I think this is great. What's the difference between summer reading and reading, okay, and the other three seasons, okay, which I think is a great, great question to start off with here, all right? The difference right. between summer reading, okay, uh, like reading uh, reading on the beach, the the uh, the really low rent novel, okay. Uh, reading every other season. Go ahead, Randy. 
Talk well, about it for kids. Wow, we have yes, we have huge opportunities in the summer to move the needle because oh, summer yeah. slide can yeah, it can be defined by the summers where kids stay away from their buildings and they have summer learning loss and you know, what's so neat about the summer is kids have a huge opportunity, a lot of room in the summer to have more choice about what they read, right? I mean, we forget sometimes that when children are in school and they're busy with their curriculum and they're busy with what they're, you know, doing all year long at home, they really don't have as much freedom as they do in the summer. And kids really yeah. don't have a ton of choice about what they're reading and even when they're reading. And and yet, and we understand that. We understand that that has to happen. But, you know, so much of what happens during the school year is reading that's assigned. And uh, even reading that's for pleasure during the school year can be something that, you know, needs to be restricted to grade level ranges for good reason, right? Um, sometimes graphic novels aren't a thing, and sometimes audio books aren't a choice. And yet, there's, I think it's about 92% of students say that they are more likely to read a book that they choose themselves uh, than a book that they don't choose. And, you know, 70% mm -hmm. of children who report enjoying summer reading enjoy it precisely because they have the freedom to read what they want when they want. Yeah. And, you know, summer is just a wonderful time for families to read together and students to read together. And we know that there are so many statistics that say, you know, if a child reads six to eight books in the summer, we can eliminate, we can totally mitigate summer slide. And so summer reading wow. is wow. a time where that. kids can choose and relax and grow and, and just fall in love with reading. And what's better than that? That's what we work on every day at Capstone is to get kids to fall in love with reading because we know it changes their lives. It, it really I never heard that statistic before. If, 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 if a child, let me get this straight, if a child reads five or six, seven books over the summer, which is easy to do, mm -hmm. by the way, okay? Right. The, 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 literally, the, no pun intended, literally the, uh, the, the summer slide in, in, in reading, et cetera, would, would go away? Is that accurate? Yes. Um, as long as they're reading something that they're interested in reading, that's at their reading level, so something they choose at their reading level, six to eight books, that's by John S. Kim out of Harvard, and that is something this. that, yes, I want every parent to know that. I want every teacher to know that. They work so hard. Teachers work yeah. so hard all year long to move students forward. And if they can, the motivators of learning can encourage their students to read in the summer, to read six books that they choose that are at their level, mm -hmm. six to eight books, we can just, we can mitigate. We can knock it out. Summer learning slide. Summer we, learning we slide. We really session. can. I had a picture when you just said that about teachers moving the needle of Sisyphus, the uh, the Greek uh, mythological figure pushing the rock up the hill, and at night it rolls back down. Okay, you mm -hmm. have to push it up again the next day, and it's it's the uh, it's the same thing with reading. Okay, teachers, when you just said it, teachers work so hard all year long, and then summer hits, and that rock rolls down the hill, not all the way down the hill, but it does roll down the hill. Okay, and all it of a really sudden, does. the teacher the next year is, is starting, and we can we can change that rock into seven books, and it goes up the hill, and we'll roll down the other side. Okay, all on its own with no need to push it back up. Okay, and, and it, it's just something right. we really have to uh, understand. And you know, there's another interesting side of this. What ages? When you say that, 
what ages are we talking about? And this I don't this I don't know. Is there a summer slide? And I've never heard this in in like secondary school with reading. Or are we talking about the youngest possible kids? Where are we on that scale in terms of summer reading? Who really – where's you know, the sweet spot? You know, that sort of thing. What grade levels are we talking it's about? Really, it's, it's really all children. Um, but, but kids start and, – and, and I should clarify that, Larry. I mean, yeah. children that, that are, you know, in the lowest SES neighborhoods that maybe don't have access to print in the home – yeah. You know, those are the children that we're targeting because they lose the most ground because sometimes they live in print-free zones or they have circumstances that don't yeah. allow them access to read at home. But then there's so much research that uh, talks about, you know, it just piles on. So it starts at the early age and the learning loss and the gap and the literacy divide just piles on over the over the years and it just keeps compounding. And so... You know, I shared with you before that I taught ninth grade, and I chose yes, you did. ninth grade because, yeah, it's a year that students decide if they're going to stay or go in high school. And yet mm. I realize indicators of that have to do with how much ground they've lost, how far behind they are, mm. and it compounds every single year. So it's difficult to answer the question. The early years are super important, so that compounding effect will uh, be less and less, but every year uh, it's important to read and learn and keep, stay sharp with with what's going on. You know, Rand, maybe you know this. I don't know the answer. When, and this is, a, this is a weird little question. When do kids really start to love reading? I mean, when when they're first wow. learning it, this whole new world opens up, and oh man, I can read stuff. Is that the point when they're, I'll say, four years old or so? Or is it when they're like in third and fourth grade and they really can read now and they can actually read a, 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 a real book with a story that's long and all that sort of thing? All right. Where, where's, right. where's the love of reading start? It's, uh, I don't know the answer. I, I bet you don't know the answer because I am absolutely positive it's different for every child. And, and yet we wow. were just speaking about teachers and librarians that really inspire a love of reading. They really, really lead the way. And, you know, you think of a child that learns to read early and then they become these voracious consumers of content because they want to read everything that they can read and yeah. and see. And, you know, those are, are children that maybe have a natural propensity to fall in love with reading. And yet there are struggling readers and reluctant readers and readers that, you know, are just – you know, behind, and they really struggle. And so their love of reading could come a lot later. But I know time and time again, there's so much that goes on that, that you know, has to do with a teacher or a librarian or an adult in a child's life that's modeling yeah. reading, that's, that's yeah. talking about reading, that's, that's talking about what you can do. But children that, you know, there are adults out here that don't love to read and you know, children that learn to have anxiety or stress or struggles in their reading are likely children that fall behind. They're not learning to read so that they can successfully read to learn. And you're right. Third grade is the year that that, you know, generally and on average happens. But I think it happens at different times for different people. And, you know, especially when we think about all of the, you know, the diverse needs of students and their journey when it comes to reading. Yeah. It's just, it happens at different times for different children. But 
these teachers that we're honoring this week and the other 51 weeks a year, I hope, have such a yeah. role to play. And so do parents. Yeah. I mean, I, when I used to have open house, I would beg my parents to model reading in their home, to read, to stare at a newspaper or a cereal box or whatever they could do to read in front of their children to model it because it's an example of an adult, someone who gets excited about That's reading. Right. It really is. So I didn't answer your question directly, but it's well, you did. You answered, every you answered it well. Yeah, you answered it well, and it's a, it's a really important thing that we have to understand. You brought up, you know, I, I remember when I was a little kid, my my father wasn't much of a reader. Okay, he read the newspaper. All right, so I got into reading the newspaper. My mother was the book reader in the family. We didn't have a lot of books. She went to the library a lot, and uh, you know that was kind of my example that I want to read. Okay, I was watching my mother always reading a novel all the time. She always had a book in the house. Okay, and that to me was important. That was something that I started to copy as a young kid. That is really, really, really important. And you brought up something else. I know it's Teacher Appreciation Week, but you brought up librarians. And I'm I'm thinking school librarians. How important are they, okay, in getting kids to read in the summer? Where's that that going? I know know you're going to be loving this, so... uh, Go, go for it, Randy. I am in love with the question. Yes. I mean, the, the literacy leaders, the champions of learning and reading and growing that our librarians around the nation are uh, representing for children can make such a huge difference. And so much, so often librarians create summer reading programs and summer reading choice boards uh, that make it easy for students to read. They're, they're, as much as our librarians love books, and they are true bibliophiles, they love children more, and often libraries around the, librarians around the nation will lend books to students in the summer. Sure They'll you know, send information and really fun learning activities uh, home. They'll make it possible for students to read in the summer and you know, choose books that will inspire their learning and inspire their growth. What's difficult is there are still states out there because of the funding situation that don't have librarians in every school. Yep. And so that's when it's important Terrible. for, um, you know, partners in education to make learning opportunities available in the summer. And we take that very, very seriously at Capstone. We want to help every child read. I mean, we feel like if you can put a man on the moon, you can get children to read between six and eight books in the summer and think of all the solutions that would bring to children, right? Enhance and change their lives forever. But oh, librarians have a tremendous role to play. They really do. They, 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 they really, really do. It's just amazing. I always think back. I think I've, I might have told you this. When I, when I was a little kid, post-war America, okay, um, that was not the Civil War, by the way. That's World War Two. Okay, when I was a little kid, mm-hmm. yours truly, the baby boomer. Okay, there was a brand new, huge school in my neighborhood in Philadelphia. Beautiful school. I went there, grades kindergarten through six. All right, and they had a, a brand new school, and they had a huge library, but they didn't have a librarian. The teachers kind of wow. Ran. Okay, which I, I wow. when I think back on that, we didn't even know there was such a thing when I was a little kid as a school librarian. Okay, but when we got to junior high, okay, then there was a real, which was a much bigger school. We there was a real librarian who we really depended on. I can't say enough for school librarians. Okay, they are so important, and you know it brings up that whole question. We're you know we're the American Consortium for Equity here. We believe in equity, 
And we got to have kids. And you said this before. I work with a lady named Molly Ness, Dr. Molly Ness. I don't know if you know Molly. Okay. Do you know her, Randy, by any chance? I, I don't know Molly. I don't. It sounds She's like great. I want to, though. What are you going to you say? Should. Yep, let me you hear. Sh- yep. you I know, and the reason, she runs a, a, a nonprofit, and she also does a podcast uh, called End Book Deserts. Okay? And they're, you okay. know, we've all heard of food deserts. Well, there are book deserts in America, yeah. if you can believe this, where kids do not have access to books all summer right. long. Okay? And, you know, that's an equity question. And we assume, mm-hmm. well, everybody can afford to download a book on their phone. No, they can't. Everybody can go to the local bookstore. Well, there aren't a lot of no local bookstores anymore. Okay? Right. And there's not a, you know, the branch, if you live in rural America, Okay, there may not be a big library, okay, that really gives you access for a long distance away. Okay, it's a it's it, right. it's hard. It's an equity question, right. and if we don't handle it properly, all right, you 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 lose kids. Okay, that summer slide plays in again because those kids are going to go back to school too. You know, and just talk right. about that, Randy. I know you're interested in this. Is summer reading and equity? Okay, and I, you know, uh, I, I hope at librarians and schools, kids coming in the last week of school, and everybody take three books home or five books home for the summer, and you can trade them, etc., and just bring them back when school begins. I don't know. Talk about equity and summer reading, Randy. Oh my goodness! So yeah, go really, on. Yeah, right. The main, yeah. right? The main predictor of successful summer reading is uh, pretty. It's not. It's, it's pretty simple to think about, but it, it's having access to books. It's yeah. you know, some of it is having parents and families and people that inspire students to read and help them understand how important it is. But the biggest thing is having access to books. And so there are things that schools can do. And you 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 know talked about our librarians who you know unlock the magic of learning for students and reading for students, and they can yeah. help students take books home. And that's not always scalable though. Uh, I believe that, you know, schools can help families by reminding them of some of the no or or low-cost options there are available, like in the public libraries and, you know, some of the the schools that, you know, have digital resources that can go home, um, reminding students how to log in, how to find access. So it's about, because the books are out there where, you know, students can, you know, log in even if they have a mobile device and the research shows that families have access to some smartphones and uh, there are ways to get through this access point. Uh, I'll tell you that Capstone takes it very seriously. We have, I know you, do. you know, print, yeah, print and digital resources and we have a website that's up that we're trying to share with all of our librarians and all of our teachers. It's, it's out there and it's ready for them. And it, it not only provides uh, access to our resources, but there are some choice boards by Shannon Miller, who many librarians follow. Shannon, sure. she's yeah. such a rock star for students. And you know, we've is. got letters home to families that you know model, and they're in English and Spanish, that model how important it is to read. And we have uh, calendars with you know questions of the day and suggestions of books to read but uh, the bottom line is I think librarians educators if there's not a librarian in the building can can figure out in their community what's available 
and motivate kids to to find it and read. And there are so many well-meaning people that make summer reading uh, available and possible. And sometimes that's going to your local Boys and Girls Club or your your local public library, which, you know, when we think of kids in rural America, that's not as easy to find either. And so those educators have to be more and more creative. But access to books and making sure that parents know how to get their children reading and why it's important. I hope every I hope every school in America sends some kind of letter home in the report card packet this summer giving parents direction about how to find access to materials in the summer and why it's important to read and that would that would be a big start. But if they don't have access they can't really read, can they, Larry? So no, they getting can. kids access Yeah, and getting kids access to books they enjoy and they want to read and they want to self select. Yeah, exactly. And, that's all exactly. possible, right? You know, no, they don't it, maybe it, want to read what's laying around for their parent, laying around for their parents to read, <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> and you know, do you know what the schools? I mean, the schools let um, the schools and libraries let books out for the summer, even if they're closed. Do you know any schools that do that? I do. Or, I know a lot of schools that do that. How's that they work? Take a huge, not every school. I mean, it really yeah, depends on the school. Um, but I know schools that do that um, far and wide that, that encourage kids to come and check books out and return yeah. them back. And, you know, some of the schools open in the summer to let them come and trade books. And if schools can't do that, because there are, lots, there are a lot of reasons why certain schools may not find that as an option. And so if that's not yeah. an option for schools, you know, really trying to tie into one of these summer programs that, you know, Capstone or other partners, we will not say no to any district that needs help with the summer. And so, you know, finding a program that will be helpful for, for you know, to use for those couple of months in the summer. Exactly. It's so important. It is yeah, so it important. It really is. But a lot of books, yeah, but even some of the books or some of the schools try, they know how important, you know, educators know how important this is. And so they'll send books home with kids in the summer that are theirs. To keep and all of you know there are financial parameters to all of that, but I am so impressed and so inspired by the amount of focus that goes into summer reading in every well, school and every to, program. It has to yeah. be, and you know we've I've gone for this for years. You know the whole idea of the two months off for summer vacation, okay? And every teacher in the world is going to get mad at me for saying this. We got to change that. Okay, and a lot of districts have, they go to an all year round, they take off at different times of the year, okay, for shorter times, et cetera. It, to me, that's mm-hmm. important that, 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 that some, summer has to, can be for learning too, and we've got to make sure that people understand that, all right? And I, everybody in the world is now mad at me, Randy, okay? But I, <laughs> I just think, you know, it, it's something that started uh, 200 years ago, and we've got to really look at changing that. Okay, and the first step in changing it, and this is important for what you guys do, is to understand. Yeah, and if people do, they understand the summer slide. We have to stop that. So, to we have to build in to the May June curriculum in schools what these kids are going to be doing over the summer. Okay, what right. they're going to be reading over the summer. We can't just let it go. If you let it go, you're, you're going to right. pay the price at the end, and that's one of the challenges we have. Okay, is making sure uh, uh, that kids understand this. They have work to do over the summer. 
okay, when they're coming back to school, et cetera. And I love you always ask me, I'm going to ask you, what are you reading this summer, Randy? You, Randy Economo. Wow. The Big Book of okay, Vomit, Randy, the question. Big Book of Vomit. Is that high on the list? The Pukey Book of Vomit. Um, <laughs> you know, Emma might like that one. Okay, so if I'm yeah, reading you know. by myself, I have a lot of books. You know I'm a new CEO, and I'm learning a lot every single day, so I have a lot of professional books that I'm going to be Good. reading about strategy and leadership, and I can never get enough of that stuff. But, But – I'll tell you, one of my favorite parts of my job at Capstone is it gives me another way to connect with my daughter, Emma. And what we have this new series that I'm going to – I have one of the books in the series, but I'm going to try to get my, hand on, my hands on the rest of the series. But it's called Emma Every Day, and I want to read that series with Emma. Um, I really but do, and I Capstone? think I can find it. Is that a Capstone it. book? Wait, Emma it's Every a Day? It's a Capstone book. Emma and it's called Every Emma Every Day? Emma Every Day. And what's special about this book, well, so much, I mean, you know, I, they got me at the first part of the title, Emma, right? Emma Every Day. Yeah, but Emma course. wears a cochlear implant. She wears a cochlear implant. And this book um, really just kind of talks about Emma and her everyday life and how she makes cool. friends and, you know, really does amazing things. And it teaches kids some sign language. So <laughs> it will teach Emma how to oh. sign her name, which is kind of neat. Uh, but Emma also loves swimming and the beach and you know i hope we can find a way to go read some capstone books while we're on the beach if that's possible we don't live very far we're a drive away from the beach uh but there are you live in arizona what beach what beach are you wait wait wait, 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 san diego so we get to san diego and okay five well it's five hours if my husband's driving it takes me five and a half (laughs) but that's okay i like to kind of relax while i'm driving i was going to say where you live it's all beach unfortunately there's no ocean yeah it's all beach till we drive five hours to the ocean yeah you know they close our airports when we reach 120 so we have to find a way to get a reprieve from that so we'll bundle up a bunch of books and go sit on the beach maybe but that's good that i want to read that's terrific I, yeah. And I love the way you yeah. said that, considering you live in Arizona, that the beach, it sounded like the beach was 10 minutes away. That would be my idea of a happy place right there, if I could go 10 minutes and be on the beach. But anyway. Well, there are plenty of places so to go, but you're in Arizona, girl, so I don't know. We'll have to see I what happens. You know? I know. That's good. I so get Emma, it. Emma Every Day. That's the, that's the book. Emma Every Day. It is. It's a wow. series, actually, and it's a new series by Capstone and that's nice. I know Emma's going to love it, and I'm going to love reading it with her. And I will read to Emma every day because I know how important that is. And how old I is Emma? Every... Emma? How old is your Emma? Emma is eight years old. She's eight. Okay. She has a birthday. She'll be nine on May 22nd. Happy so, birthday, my beautiful Emma. Gift. Wow, that's a big girl. Thank Pretty soon head, heading yeah. into double digits soon next year, Mommy. I know. And then yeah, we got the you know. teenage years. Of course, I understand those years. I taught high school, you know. So. <laughs> well, you're, you're very yeah. close to those years yourself, those teen Well, years. thank you. Did you're I welcome, Did I tell you how much? Yeah, I just appreciate you, Larry. You can keep talking like that. And... <laughs> and I and I appreciate you, Randy. I always do, and I always well, will. You. Okay, this is good well, stuff. You so and you know, I, again, it's capstonepub.com, and also they have their special stuff at pebblego.com. But it, you know, it just—I I just hope teachers and librarians, we got to really get these. We can't lose kids during the summer. It's that simple. And reading is how we measure progress. We got to get kids reading. Okay, and have some fun. Emma, every day. There you go. Right. All right. Love it. Thank you, Randy.
This was great. Thank you, I love Larry. talking to you. Thank you. Okay. I love talking Enjoy to you. Enjoy the rest great of day. your day. You get, it's only eight in the morning. You got the whole day ahead of you. I know. The whole the day being, is young. It's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for Bye-bye. being here so early in your day, and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Rand. Sounds wonderful. Thanks. Bye. Okay. Randy Economo, and Randy, as I said, is president of Capstone Publishing, a fine company. Okay, capstonepub.com. If you don't believe me, you can see for yourself. We'll archive over at ace-ed.org. Please go over there, check out the awards, check out the magazine, listen to some podcasts. It's good stuff, and it's all free. I'm Larry Jacobs. Thanks for listening.